0: The views expressed in our podcast do not represent the views of all sorority organizations. You might even hear different viewpoints among MJ sorority team members featured. Real Talk intends to foster open dialogue about issues we see across the country that affect real women, and beyond these thoughts and recommendations, we would ultimately refer you back to local, state, and federal authorities, as well as your own sorority's rules and policies. While we intend to keep content light and informative, there may be insurance claims discussed that involve bodily injury and personal damage of a sensitive nature be aware that topics may be a bit graphic and even emotionally charged. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Real Talk with NJ Sorority, the voice of sorority
1: risk management, where we talk about the big risks, small questions, and real challenges sorority women face today. NJ Sorority is the premier insurance agency for women's sororities. We are passionate about educating and empowering our clients. We believe that striving to be unique never stops by promoting safe decisions and smart risks, we
0: can continue to create spaces for women to grow, serve, and lead. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allison. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we get into what we can't stop talking about, besides sorority risk management, of course. For now, let's dive into our conversation and let's get real.
1: Thanks for joining us today. We are going to discuss renting your facility. So just to kind of lay things out, um, we thought it would be helpful to start with what the insurance company expects. And so the insurance company underwriters, the people that are trained to study the risks and then price them accordingly and figure out what coverages you need and things along those lines, those underwriters have accepted the sorority class of business based on some of what they see as kind of a typical exposure for sorority housing. So they want to think about the average sorority house when they write the insurance coverage. And the coverages, as part of your organization's national insurance program, have been designed and priced based upon what they think of as this regular sorority. Exposure. And just as a reminder, too, the insurance program includes property, liability, and employment types of insurance coverages. So Allison is going to go over what those kind of foundational expectations are that the insurance company expects
0: when they think of covering yep. and a we get a this question a lot because we know that you want to know what the insurance company expects before you start leasing your property elsewhere, just like you would with a homeowner's policy. You would hopefully check with your insurance agent and see what's allowed before you just start signing up to Airbnb, your property or things like that. Um, so in a sorority facilities case, the underwriter of your insurance coverage expects um, and has, has, based on their review of the organization's exposures to risk, they are assuming the following things about your facility. They're assuming that there are not any non-member social functions being held at the chapter facility, meaning it's not a public space. You're it's part of a private organization. So it's not just rented out for non-members to have all these social functions there. Um, there's limited access for non-members to be in the residential portion of the house. So guests can't just come and go as they please. There's, some protection and security around that. There's limited access to the private quarters of the house director, that there are no alcoholic functions being held at the chapter house, and that there's limited use of candles in the chapter house. So these are just some of the things. um, I'm I'm sure they assume a lot of things, but these are some of the basic uh, assumptions that the underwriters have uh, in terms of what's happening at a sorority property that they're insuring. And they would object to any risks that are well outside of that realm of of possibility and these assumptions about how the chapter property is being used. And so there is concern from them if you're running out your chapter house to anyone other than members uh, to use it for other things.
1: So that becomes just something Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they need to know about. They like to know
0: and hope that it's not a super, super common thing. Um, It doesn't mean it's it's the answer is always no. Um, We want to help you get to yes. If if you really see an opportunity to rent out your facility that um, you can't pass up for financial reasons. Um, But we want to make sure you've thought through all those risk factors because the insurance underwriters are definitely wanting to make sure you've thought through those risk factors.
1: That makes sense. So because the sorority and women's fraternity exposures are So broad, if you think about it, and challenging and very unique. The insurance company needs to be able to underwrite it accurately and accept the risk. And so that's why they have these kind of thresholds that they expect. And they do that so that they can protect and defend the sorority and its members from any allegations Mm -hmm. of damage or injury. And so, along those lines, as Allison mentioned, and just to reiterate, one of the basic tenets of the insurance program is that only collegiate members of the organization are permitted to be residents of the chapter house. So this kind of presumption is that members, as members, you're obligated to follow the rules and guidelines of the sorority. And in the absence of which, you have this this stick almost of your membership being terminated and eviction from chapter housing if you don't follow the rules and guidelines. So that gives the insurance company a little bit more confidence in that the rules are being followed and that there is, it's a little bit less risky than, you know, just having random collegiate members in a Mm -hmm. large facility to themselves. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's a benefit that that we can can sell the sororities as good tenants and good insureds um, as knowing that there is sort of a standards process in place that happens um, that a member is disciplined and there is some sort of discussion about what the standards and expectations are if something isn't being met and followed, especially from a housing standpoint. And so that's appealing to them. It's part of the reason that they're willing to, to write the program. And so when that breaks down and we suddenly have random people that we'd have to go through all these other legal means that a typical landlord would have to go through, that becomes a whole different exposure that they haven't taken into consideration in, in the pricing that you guys get right now.
1: Yeah, good point. So that is a way that you as a member, and if you're a volunteer or officer of the organization, you're actually, by having these rules and guidelines and enforcing them, you're actually keeping your insurance, your organization's insurance mm-hmm. costs lower than they might otherwise be. Definitely. So, and
0: I would just quickly say too, that. it's a significant difference so, than some of the your counterparts out there that don't have some of these rules and guidelines um, because they do pay significantly more for insurance. It's not just like a couple dollars, it's a lot. Um, and So I feel like I see articles regularly being published by sorority members of why can't we do certain things in our facility? And, and a lot of it has to do with just the pricing and keeping your costs low to keep the experience more accessible. The higher it has to be and the more risks there are, the less people that can join your experience ultimately.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And also Mm -hmm. the availability of coverages too. So it's we want to be able to continue to provide as broad of coverage as possible and to keep it at an affordable as as affordable a cost as possible. And both of those things depend on you following the rules and guidelines from a risk management standpoint that your sorority has already thoughtfully laid out. So we, as you said, we want to get to yes. So what happens if the house corporation does want to rent out the chapter property? They've, you know whether a chapter is closed or, uh, for whatever reason, how can we help them get to us? This does occasionally happen.
0: And we like to say renting to a third party, because again, it's preferable to rent to a third party. That's some sort of organization that has protections for itself rather than a bunch of individual non-members. Um, so there are certain parameters that must be in place for the insurance carrier to consider supporting whatever rental arrangement that you're wanting to come up with for your sortie facility. And those include that the lessee who's leasing the property from you, the lessee is a single sex organization, not individual tenants. Um, it's This is preferable because of some assault claims we've seen in the past um, in co-ed facilities and just different things that are in place um, when it's a co-ed organization versus a single sex organization. This also has to do with all sorts of things about the privacy and maintaining tax exempt status for your organizations and all sorts of pending lawsuits out there about this topic. So that's a whole different topic that I won't get into today. But yes, yes. once we've run out of a lot of other podcasts, another (laughs) another, um, content, yes, another matter altogether. So um, but that is one of the expectations is and hopes is that you can find someone that's a single sex organization to be a lessee. Uh, you also, they, it would be preferable that they carry at least $2 million in general liability coverage. Uh, this is what our sorority clients have. And so it's what we expect from somebody renting your facility too. And that general liability coverage actually includes coverage for if they were to damage um, the property. Uh, being leased to them, including yours. And so that's why we want to see some really good limits there and not just a measly $100,000. We'd It's like to see, especially in that line item of damage of property rented to you is a line item coverage a lot of people have on their policies. We want to see that there's adequate limits there. Um, we want to see that they've added your house corporation and your organization by name as primary additional insureds. So this means that they your organization is granted some status on their insurance policy should something happen and some access to their coverages if they're the ones that are negligent and causing some damage or some sort of incident on your property. Um, To prove all this, we want to see a certificate of insurance annually um, to you as the landlord and it's something that MJ is happy to help review for you and keep on file and and just see where that is at periodically. Uh, An adult supervisor would preferably be on premises. This is typically a house director or a house mom or whatever your facility calls them. Um, But this is an expectation just that there's somebody supervising it besides the tenants and there's somebody actively there on a more regular basis than just checking in a couple times a week. The expectation is that alcohol would be prohibited on the premises since that's the expectation of our sorority clients right now, uh, that candles would be prohibited on premises I know my roommates have always thought I'm I'm crazy when I really actually follow that guideline from the landlord. But it's because if the lease says don't have candles, I don't want to be at fault if something happens and and there's an incident out of a candle that's left left lit too long that causes damage. And then um, the lessee must complete a some sort of self inspection property checklist. And MJ has one specifically that we'd like to see completed, just showing that they're being good tenants and they're walking around and making sure. It's kind of a good way to ensure those clauses and leases that say, "Hey, you're going to report something to the landlord if there's something awry in the facility and something that needs attention and is um, needs a fix." And so that's that's the list. And we have we have that listed on our website too. You don't have to remember all that, but those are the kinds of things we like to see as expectations of people using your facility because they're the same expectations uh, that you put on your own members, and it's only fair to. Expect that of other people coming into your home as well.
1: Well said. So we will link to that list uh, in the show notes, which as Alison mentioned is also on our website. If you just Mm -hmm. search renting, it should come up. But I think also we want to know about all of these situations, the your client executive. So it's important maybe not even to remember all of those things explicitly so much as it is to remember if you are contemplating renting out your facility to a third party, to just give us a call. Mm -hmm. And then we can go over those things with you, or we can even review the agreement for you. So I might simplify things a bit, but we at least wanted you to know what the expectations are, both from the insurance company and then looking forward, if you do decide to rent out the property, kind of what we're looking for on our end And, what we're and discuss a big reminder you you there
0: us. too, is that you need to check with your expectations from your own organization, because we can lay out best practices from an insurance standpoint, but your own organization may have different levels of risk tolerance. And they may say this is never allowed under any circumstances, or they may say under special circumstances, we do want you to look at this as an option for financial reasons. And so um, please, please, please check with your own or national organization, um, national or international organization first, um, in addition to getting MJ's take on it.
1: And we would bring them in mm-hmm. too, if you call us. So you kind of mm-hmm. will, we'll make mm-hmm. sure those spaces are covered when you contact us. So lately we have seen an increase in claims involving a number of cha- sorority chapter houses that are renting out their own facilities. Specifically, in these claims examples, to a men's fraternity for recruitment events. And several of these claims seem to suggest to us that, at least on certain campuses, this has become a common practice. This a little bit gets into unofficial chapter houses, which we've done a podcast episode on before. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But it does seem a little bit unique, like I said, on some of these campuses. And so Allison is going to share an example with us just to kind of help you see how this has played Definitely. out in so, some claim scenarios.
0: Um, a lot of men's fraternities that our sortie clients rent a facility out to do meet a lot of these requirements that we just listed. And the claim example I'm going to share is that even when there's a proper lease in place with all of these parameters being followed, it's still so important um, that those things were in place in case your property is being abused and you need to terminate the lease and and come up with something different if it's not working for you. So. We had a lease property with a bunch of losses from a fraternity tenant a few years ago. And it, I kind of looked through the records and uh, the claims history book of of what kind of happened just to be reminded of why was why was all that damage so egregious. And just a little list of like all the things that had happened. And some of these are regular wear and tear that maybe a fraternity house is used to, but that was a lot for a sorority facility to, to undergo. So A fraternity member fell asleep in the bathtub and overflowed it causing water damage one year of several tens of thousands of dollars. A candle started a fire in the basement bathroom and set off sprinklers. A couple years later, which was about even even more money to fix that claim damage, a fraternity member struck a sprinkler head with a ball and set them off again another year later. So we've got more water damage coming through from sprinklers. And that was like at least a $50,000 claim. Um, and then they were set off again a couple years after that. And then a clogged toilet leaked into the basement with some more water. To so it was just, it was like year after year of these incidents that happened that weren't just a pipe bursting on its own, but the tenants um, just doing some things, um, just not thinking necessarily and things happening over and over. And so true accidents happen and we understand that. But an insurance company is gonna kind of raise their eyebrows when they go, okay, this facility is supposed to be for sorority members. It's not being used for that anymore. And we now have the facility having to be have significant work done on it every year to clean up these messes. And so that that creates a lot of wear and tear on your asset. And so, but thankfully, because some of these parameters were in place, there was some subrogation, meaning some of the money was able to be obtained from the fraternity that had the proper coverages um, and even some of the members, I think the fraternity um, and reimbursement for the expenses Mm -hmm. did happen. So the sorority was not responsible. Our sorority client who owned the facility was not responsible for all those damages. Uh, But having a copy of a sound lease where we could go back and see in the claim, you know, what was agreed upon? What were the rules? Were there allowed to be candles in the basement when that when that little fire started? and set off sprinklers and caused a ton of damage. And so thankfully having that lease in place kind of helped take the liability off the sorority and back onto the fraternity tenant that was involved in this, in this damage. So I will say, I think eventually the lease was terminated um, just because obviously there's a lot of hurt feelings that happen as these uh, incidents happened over and over. And kind of the question we talked about is could this have been prevented? And maybe, maybe, um, It could have been prevented. But the nice thing is, is that these parameters were in place. So there were measures available to stop it when it got bad. And if you didn't have a good lease in place, a good way to evict somebody, a good way to kind of talk through this stuff and make sure, hey, are you taking responsible for the damage you're doing? And have you talked about that ahead of time? Are you just going to hope everyone has goodwill and covers their own accidents? So it's, it's kind of one of those situations where we're like, it, it didn't, turn out well, but it turned out way better than it could have because this client did a good job working with us, talking through um, what are the expectations before this fraternity moves into the sorority's space. So hopefully that kind of gives you a picture of how some claims could play out um, and why we even have this long list of of things in place for when you want to rent out your facility.
1: Yeah, you (laughs) kind of went straight to worst case scenario with that one. (laughs)
0: It was, was a lot. long list yes. of expensive. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do mistakes. think some of the individual members <laughs> who started that stuff ended up being held accountable too. Um, and again, that's the nice thing about renting to another group rather than individual members is there was accountability. They they did know who those people were. Um, it wasn't individual people pointing at each other and going, wasn't me and no means of of enforcing standards. So that's part of why we like that too. We're not trying to discriminate against non-members. We're not trying to um, say they're not worthy of being in our facilities. We're just trying to see, is there coverage if an accident happens? And do do we have protection for your asset? Because your facility, if you're renting it out, you're probably trying to hang on to an important asset and you want to protect that asset. And so if it's abused by people using it, you, you've got to weigh that risk and we're happy to help weigh that risk with you.
1: So I think that takeaway is that if you are going to run out your facility to contact your national organization or international organization and us first, your client executive will walk you through it. You are welcome to look at our position paper that goes through all of this conversation that Allison and I have just had a little bit more in detail and um, But we also are here for you to walk you through this process, make sure that we are covering everything that needs to be covered and informing the insurance company, informing your national or international organization. And so I think if you really, if you only remember one thing from our conversation today, it would be to contact your client executive if you're contemplating renting out yep. your Couldn't
0: by myself, I think. I think we've covered it. Just make sure you come to us and we're happy to talk you through all this. And we do want to get you to yes. If it's a, if it's a good situation that makes sense for you financially and risk wise, we just want to make sure you thought through all these things first. So we
1: are going to finish up the way we usually do by sharing what we can't stop
0: talking about
1: lately. How about you? So I recently, I
0: have been so out of it with movies and what's coming out and what's going on and haven't been to a movie theater in forever. Um, It feels like almost, I hope movie theaters don't become relics of the past, but it kind of feels that way right now a little bit. Um, But I recently looked up I thought, aren't the Oscars coming up? I used to host a, an Oscar Academy Awards party every year. And so I thought, what is, what's being nominated this year? I'm just curious. And there's a lot of movies I hadn't even heard of, to be honest. And so made a little list and I've been make, working my way through those and um, just neat to see what's out there. And um, just kind of a funny year that usually I don't have to go to an award list to even know what movies exist right now uh, that are being praised out there. But it's it's a really interesting set of nominations and all very different movies. I this past weekend watched one called Nightmare Alley, which is sort of a film noir done by Guillermo del Toro, famous director. Um, And it was a remake of a classic novel and and film noir, so that was interesting, but also but kind of dark. I watched The Last Duel, which was interesting and based on a real historical event, also dark. There was one called (laughs) The Lost Daughter. (laughs) On Netflix, it was interesting with Olivia Colman, um, and that was good, too. So I'm just slowly making my way through through some of these movies. Um, but one that I super highly recommend if you haven't seen it on Apple Plus is Coda. Um, if you haven't watched the movie Coda, it's excellent. Um, and it's not a dark movie. It is more of a feel-good, made-me-cry movie about family and um, a hearing girl growing up in a non-hearing deaf family and what that's like and um, kind of what happens when she wants to go off to music school and be a singer and they can't hear her and and this whole thing that she wants to pursue. And so it's a really good, really good one. I don't know if you've seen that one.
1: I think you're going to have to come back and report back after you've watched all of them and we will have
0: Allison's oscar awards (laughs) i'll give you my opinion on what should and shouldn't have won in in my humble opinion so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yep okay what about you sarah what can't you stop talking about
1: so it is march in indiana Mm -hmm. and we are a basketball family so we are really excited to be watching Mm -hmm. all of the march madness to come um and our both of our Kids play, and my husband coaches their teams. So I'm excited to watch basketball, and then, pre- and then our kids are done with <laughs> basketball, and I'm ready for that too. Kind so. of a nice way to round out
0: <laughs> the season.
1: I, I need a little. I need a little. I need like a little extra, good dose of watching some, mm-hmm. some good mm-hmm. basketball that isn't kids, and then, <laughs> and then I'm ready to, yeah. not Fair. watch basketball for a while. <laughs> I think. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Stay tuned t- to the show notes for all of the resources that we mentioned today. And as always, if you have any questions or suggestions, email us at realtalk at mj And we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us for Real Talk. We want to hear from you. If you have feedback, comments or questions, send us an email at realtalk at mj
1: Visit our website, mjsorority.com, to learn more
0: about who we are, what we do, and
1: explore our huge resource library. Check out the show notes from today's episode to dig a little deeper into the topics we discussed. This has been Real Talk with MJ Sorority. Be smart.
0: Be safe. And we'll catch you next time.